All right, John chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be talking about, it's really a practical um, message about how to lead someone to Christ. And it's from the story of Jesus and the woman that was at the well in Samaria. And it's a fairly well-known story where um, Jesus was traveling from Jerusalem and Judea, which is in the south of Israel, and he was traveling up north to get to the region of Galilee. That's where he was from. And there was a region in, in the middle of those two places that was uh, the dominant population was, um, it wasn't a completely Jewish population. It was, they were called Samaritans. And the Samaritans basically had a background of being antagonistic toward Israel and vice versa, so that there was a lot of prejudice and racism and animosity um, that, that was there in the land. So Jesus was actually traveling through this region because he knew he had a special purpose to um, basically evangelize. The word evangelize means to share the good news about Jesus, about himself, with this uh, individual, this woman. And that's what the story's about. And the end of the story, I'm just going to tell you what happens at the end because we're going to go through and learn some lessons and principles from for ourselves. The end of the story is that the woman accepts the message that Jesus says to her and he ex she accepts Jesus himself as the Messiah. And then she brings that message back to her village. And back in her village, the people of the village actually accept the message that she brings to them about Jesus. And then Jesus comes and, of course, reveals himself to them as well. So there's... but. When we read the Bible, we're not just reading a history book for the sake of studying history. We're reading the Word of God, God speaking. And when God speaks, He wants us to listen and to, to determine, is there something that is said here or written here that would apply to our lives today? Is there something that's here that would apply to where I'm at? And this is a hard passage, not because it, it's, uh, you know, it says that you have to do some crazy thing or whatever, but it, it's kind of hard because it basically um, puts upon our conscience and on our minds that we have a responsibility and obligation to people who are thirsty to bring them water. You know, we lived in uh, East Africa for um, almost 10 years. Julia and Liana were born there in Uganda. And you know, in that region, there were there was a lot of need. There was uh, poverty, of course, and but one of the greatest needs physically in that region that we lived in, especially up north into northern Uganda and southern Sudan, was water. And we had a lot of friends who had ministries and organizations and even companies um, that would dig wells to provide villages with uh, pump wells for so that the kids can come out and the you know, people could come out with their, they call them jerry cans or those yellow, like they look like gasoline cans, the plastic ones. And they would come out every day to the water and they would pump the water out of the well that these organizations and ministries brought to the villages. But before that, they would sometimes have to walk miles and miles just to get a drink of water. And people would die for lack of water physically. And so you see the importance that we, we they were coming in and providing something that sustained life. And what Jesus is talking about in this passage, some of you are already making the connection. He says, I will give to you living water. If you drink this water, you'll thirst again, but I'll give you living water. And so we have a responsibility, coming back to what I was saying, that we have 
the, the source of living water that we can bring to a village. And that if people tap into it, spiritually speaking, they will, have, they will quench their thirst. Everybody's thirsty spiritually, whether they know it or not. That's the, that's the problem. And we have the, the answer for what will quench that thirst. And the answer is Jesus, as we're going to see in our passage. Let me just get to it. Therefore, when the Lord, this is John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So this is setting up, last week we talked about John the Baptist and his disciples were losing followers. Their ministry was shrinking and Jesus' ministry was growing. And we saw last week John says, I must increase, he must or I must decrease, he must increase. Other way around. And that's what's happening. Now the Pharisees, these were we sometimes think of them as the enemies of Jesus. And most of the time they were, but these were actually the godly people in the land. These were the ones who knew the Bible. These were the ones who, you know, taught the people. These were the religious leaders. And not all of them were bad, but they had been over time they had been corrupt. They had perfected the outward rules but lost uh, the connection between the in inward heart and so they heard that Jesus was doing this and then so Jesus left so he he has a mission to do he didn't want to get wrapped up with the politics of it all so he goes back up to his home in Galilee and it says he left Judea and departed to Galilee but he needed to go through Samaria now if we're asking the question as we go through this passage and we'll we'll do at least like 20 or so verses tonight but as we're going through, as we're reading verse by verse, I'm going to bring out some application for us because I've just introduced the principle of we are responsible for bringing living water to people. You guys would all agree that it's every, every Christian's responsibility to share Christ, right? It's not just for the missionaries or the pastors or the church people, church leaders. It's for all of us, right? When Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel, etc., he wasn't just talking to the pastor's you know, and the missionaries. He's talking to us all. And, so, and we do that in different ways. I know that. You know, I'll do it in a different way as a pastor than you would. Um, but it's, it's for all of us. So let's make the application. If Jesus, and here's what I'm saying. If Jesus was so successful at ministering to this woman, leading her to that living water and her whole village, couldn't we, as being responsible for doing that now in this day and age, learn some principles from what Jesus did in order to apply it to our own responsibility of sharing that living water, right? So going through, he left Judea, Judea, departed to Galilee. He needed to go through Samaria. Number one, mental notes. I'm just going to give you these four things as we go through, and we'll, we'll talk about some other things as well, but these four main principles. Number one, if you want to be effective in sharing your faith, you have to leave your comfort zone. What's a comfort zone? I'm an introvert. Comfort zone is when there's not a lot of people like around me talking to me, you know, in that sort of thing. Although I like all you guys, so I'm not, I'm fine now. I'm I'm good. But you know, everybody has it's different for everybody. There's a comfort zone, and for for most people, their comfort zone is going to be like their home, their community, their church family, or their city they live in. If you've lived, if you've been born and raised and lived in the same place and your 
parents before you and their your generations have always lived in the same place, that's very comfortable for you. You you feel very familiar with, you know, you know how to get to the grocery store. You know how to get to wherever you need to go. To the you know how to get to the beach. <laughs> so your it's your comfort zone in location. Your comfort zone with uh, communication, who you talk to and who you speak with. You you know it's very comfortable for me to have a conversation with Josiah or you know who you know people I know Eric and and that sort of thing. Lynn. <laughs> so there's a there's location, communication, and then there's a comfort zone of of uh, reputation. What does that mean? It means you're around people that you know are going to approve of who you are, of what you're doing. So this is true whether you're Christian or not. This is this is the way. I mean, you're in if you're in high school, you start this in like even it, earlier than high school, you see that you're part of one group, so you definitely don't go and talk to another group cuz you get outside of the comfort zone of your reputation, meaning what will they think about me? If uh if you're like a punk rocker and you're talking to football players, what will the other punk rockers think? Amen. <laughs> I don't know if that was the greatest. Was huh? Oh yeah, she should be embarrassed for me. <laughs> uh, are you embarrassed for me, Julia? Where's Julia? No. She's like, what? Location, communication, reputation. Jesus, verse number three, he left Judea. He needed to go through Samaria. He left the location that was comfortable for him. Being a Jewish man, a rabbi, Judea and Jerusalem, the religious center, Galilee and Nazareth, where he was at home with his people. And Samaria was it was, they would actually, and this is kind of a, um, sad to think about, but the Jewish people would actually, even though it was faster to go through Samaria, they would go around Samaria. And they used to say all kinds of horrible things about the Samaritans and vice versa. So he was leaving the comfort of his, his location. Okay, we're, we've been missionaries before. We know wh- how that feels. It's hard to leave an environment that you're comfortable with to go to one that you're not comfortable with. Even just with, uh, you know, basic things. Like, um, even, you know, like internet and power and water you take for granted. Then you move to East Africa when we first got there and the power was on half the time. And we didn't have an internet connection at our house for the first couple of years. And, you you know, you can't just go to uh, McDonald's and stuff, which is probably a good thing. It was a good thing, but not quite so convenient and comfortable, right? But we, we decided to do that, to leave our comfort of location, to move to another place that was going to be for the work of the Lord. And so he did that. Verse 5, he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
Now, here's what happens when Jesus goes out of his comfort zone location-wise to be there in Samaria. He's sitting at this well because he was tired from walking all that way. And here comes the woman from Samaria, the enemies of the Jews. And Jesus said to her, verse 7 is the key, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. So he gets out of his comfort zone as far as communication. Hey, if we want to share our faith, guess what we have to do? Actually talk to people. <laughs> this is my big, I'll, I'll move to Antarctica. I'll move around the world, anywhere. That's not so much going out of my comfort zone, because I, you know, now that I'm getting older, it is more so. But what's more uncomfortable for me is talking uh, to strangers, <laughs> that's what we were always taught when we were little kids, right? Don't talk to strangers. Kids, don't talk to strangers. But then when you get to be an adult, and the Bible says, go into all the world and talk to strangers, my translation, and tell them the good news about Jesus, that's, a, that's out of your comfort zone. And that's difficult. But that's what he did. He, 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 he would be unable to share the truth of the good news of living water if he did not start a conversation with her. You know, and we have all this stuff about, you know, um, you may have heard that famous quote. It's like, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Have you heard that before? I, that makes me feel good when I hear that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's deep. Because it's saying basically live your life for Christ, right? I agree with that. And I, so I would say, yeah, pre preach the gospel with your life. And use words too. They are necessary. Because <laughs> how shall they believe unless they hear? And how shall they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can someone preach to them unless they're sent out first? Romans 10. So he's talking to her. And the woman said to him, verse 9, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So she, she's like... Are, are you from a different planet or something? You're, you're doing something that is socially unacceptable. You're doing something that could, for her, she didn't care that much. She was kind of like in, in, the, in the Jewish estimation in that day, being a woman and being part Gentile was on the lowest rung. So she's basically doing him a favor and saying, you shouldn't be talking to me. Why? Because your reputation will be ruined. In fact, Jesus dealt with this his whole life, didn't he? He was always dealing with accusations about you're spending time with the wrong kind of people. You're spending time with Samaritans. You're spending time with sinners. You're spending time with uh, tax collectors. Those were the worst back then. And so his reputation, he was going out of his comfort zone knowing that his reputation could be ruined for doing this. Are there any groups today that we could have our reputation ruined if we're seen with those kind of people or talking with or hanging out with these groups of people? There definitely is. I'm not going to give you uh, any examples, but I think you can probably think of some. There's a lot of division in the country and within churches, Christianity. And it's kind of like one of those things, you know, there's a story in the Bible where Paul the Apostle Paul actually rebukes the Apostle Peter because Peter was embarrassed to be seen with the Gentiles when the Jewish big shots came around, right? And then he rebuked him because he's like, 
if this is what you believe that you know that you guys are equal, then why aren't you spending time with them? Anyway, outside of our reputation. <laughs> and so and verse 10, so she says, you shouldn't be talking to me. But he, he, there was something that was more important than his reputation. There was something more important. That's why he left his comfort zone in all these ways. And the most important thing was in verse 10. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So they're at the well. She went there to get the water. And what Jesus is doing, and what this is, I think, um, a big point as well in trying to share our faith is he doesn't just come out in like, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. He, he doesn't just come out and just like blaster with the theology of why she should believe in him. You know, he, uh, he starts with the natural and then moves to the supernatural. He basically what he does is he meets her where she is and then takes her to where she needs to be rather than starting at the truth of everything. So here's why I'm saying that because, you know, I've, I've got, I've hung out with a lot of different uh, Christians and pastors and evangelists and lots of different ways to do things that, you know, work some ways and some ways don't. And sometimes, you know, people just need to hear the direct truth right away. It's like, Hey, you just walk up to a stranger, just cold call, cold turkey. Hey, um, what's your name? Or don't even say what's your name. Hey, can I talk to you? Yeah. When you die, you're going to go to heaven or hell. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> true or not true? True, right? Um. Sometimes that can be, uh, and then you you kind of go through all the verses and the reasons why, and then and then you're like, okay, do you want to accept Christ into your heart? Say the sinner's prayer, Amen. Okay, we got one. So you can come at it, blast it like that, just like guns a blazing. Or I think what Jesus does, and many times, you know, Paul as an example did as well. Some of the other evangelists over church history. You start with where people are at. Them being actually interested in who they are as a person. You're here to get water. You're thirsty. You're bringing the water back to the village. You're a woman here alone in the middle of the day, which was abnormal as you study the history of this. It was a unique situation. And what he does is he starts with this conversation about water. It says, you know that you could have water that if you drank it, you would never get thirsty again. Isn't that interesting? That immediately gets someone engaged, doesn't it? You're actually communicating with somebody. Now, the whole, I don't want to be like uh, a lot of some of the, I I guess, more liberal people who would say, don't, you know, talk about hell. Don't talk about sin. We'll get there in a second. Don't, don't say anything to offend anybody because we wouldn't want to offend them. I'm not saying that at all. We're, the content is the same, but the presentation can be changed. Would you rather go to a church where the preacher is interesting to listen to and you know, kind of applies things to your life while also having a great deal of biblical truth 
that can apply to those situations? Or would you rather have someone standing up there spouting out the truth that it doesn't even make a connection whatsoever? So there's, and that's how you do in personal conversations too. And that's what he does. And Jesus said, or the woman said to him, you have nothing to draw with, so she's interested. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So he's introducing the concept of everlasting life. The woman said to him, Yes, I would like this water, please, <laughs> that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. <laughs> uh, tricky, tricky. <laughs> what is he doing? So, number one, he's leaving his comfort zone. Number two, he's starting with where people are at and bringing them to where they need to be. Number three, we want to be effective in sharing our faith. Number three, he introduces the topic of and reveals the sin that is in this individual's life. That's what he's doing. Because there's no conversion without confession. There's no um, forgiveness without repentance and asking for forgiveness. You know, it's... it's uh, there's got to be an acknowledgement and confession of sin in our lives. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. God will forgive any sin on the condition that by faith you confess your sins. Right? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and we confess our sins to God. So why does he ask about the husband? Because he knows in order for her to to get the living water and accept that salvation, she must first come to grips with the fact that she is a sinner in need of salvation. Do you understand that? This is where a lot of people miss the, miss the mark, I think. You know, they're, they're so concentrated on leading someone to Christ that they leave out all the negative stuff. You can't do that. Because there's no there, that's why there's so many, I think, so many shallow commitments to Christ. Because there's not first been dealt with the, the underlying problem of sin against God. And it, he doesn't judge her for it, but he it must be revealed first. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. <laughs> Short, shortest answer in the, the passage. I don't have a husband. Next question. <laughs> but Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. You have had five husbands. The one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. So he's... Uh, I, I got to believe that Jesus was a nice guy. Do you know this about Christ? I got to believe that, and this is, I, she didn't just say, get, get away from me, you, you psycho, or I don't want to talk to you anymore. She keeps talking to him. Why? Because I got to believe that he's engaging with her and saying these things to her. And at the end, he says, in that you've said, tr you spoke truly. So he's kind of like saying, you know, you're right. You don't have a husband. That's because you had five. Now you don't have any at the moment. That guy you're living with isn't your husband. And I love her response. Verse 17. The woman answered and said, oh, I'm sorry, verse, verse 19. This is my favorite part of the whole story. 
The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> uh, why is that so funny? It's like she just he just told her the exact thing in her life that was keeping her from God. Our fathers worship. So here's what she did, does. I want you to notice this. We can go play with the kids in a little bit. We're almost done. Here's what she does. This is what a lot of people do. I'm, I'm trying to give you this um, insight from this passage, and I've seen it. I know Josiah, others, um, Gavin, who's the evangelist here tonight. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, over there. Um, we've, I've seen it before, and this is what people do. As soon as something starts to get real, they change the subject. And when it comes to religion, they usually change the subject to something that they feel can uh, deflect the real issue when it comes to Christ. Religious things. So you'll be talking with someone, you know, you know Jesus, and you're living water, you, whatever you're doing, you're talking to them, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And you say, you know, isn't there something in your life that you've done against God, sin you've committed? Be honest. And you ask someone that. And then they get uncomfortable, and they're like, you know, the thing I don't like about churches is there's so many hypocrites in churches. All of a sudden, you're talking about hypocrites in churches, right? Or as soon as it starts to get real, they'll say, you know, the thing I don't like about is, you know, pastors. I saw this pastor, do this, and they're talking, they start, now you're talking about pastors. Or even more popular in our day and age in the United States, politics will come in. And then all of a sudden, you're talking about, you know, what you should or shouldn't do in the latest political environment. So there's all kinds of diversions that I'm telling you, you have to be really, you have to focus in, in, in what, especially in this case when they're talking about other religious things that are, they're interesting things like, you know, they'll, you'll say the sin comes up and, you know, do you want to confess your sin? And they'll say uh, something like, well, I went to a church where you had to, you know, take communion and do this in some religious thing. Look at what Jesus said. So that's what she does. She says, I perceive you are a prophet. And instead of saying, I confess that I haven't been living right, I need help, I need this water, she changes the subject and she talks about religion. And here's the point, if we're, t if we're taking those mental notes, number one, leave your comfort zone. Number two, Let's start with where people are and bring them to where they need to be. Number three, reveal sin, because sin is, they have to come to grips with it. Number four, this is the last thing, remove the religion and point them toward a relationship. What was she doing? She was talking about religious things. What was he doing? He was saying, you need a relationship with me. And this is the whole thing. In evangelism, we're not trying to lead someone to, to our church. We're not trying to lead someone to Christianity. We're not trying to make converts to a religion in that sense. We're trying to introduce people to a person, Jesus Christ. And if anything else gets in the way of that, it needs to be avoided. And here's what he does. There's, you should worship there. This is a controversy of their day, a religious controversy. You guys say we should worship. You should worship in Jerusalem. We should worship on this mountain. Verse 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So he, he hits that little question just a little bit. He says, we have the history of knowing God, the Jewish. We've carried that biblical history up to this point. You 
haven't. <laughs> and But the hour is coming, verse 23, he says, And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What does he say? He's saying, you think you should worship over there? We think we should worship over here in Jerusalem. That's, and he says, that's actually what God told us to do with the temple and everything. But there's a time coming, and it's actually right now, when true worshipers, it's not going to be a religious place they go to. It's going to be an experience of worshiping in spirit and in truth, a relationship. And then the end is verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So she's getting real now. She's saying, I secretly believe that your Messiah is coming. That's what she was saying to him. I believe she, God had been preparing her ahead of time. I know that, he's com- I know that the Savior is coming. I, basically, she was saying, I know that living water is coming. I know that peace is coming, that joy, that salvation, that contentment, that fulfillment. I know that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Why did she say that? Because he just told her all things about herself. You know, when I don't know, we don't have a video of this, but in my mind when I'm watching this video of her saying that, there is a, there is a hope and a hunger in her eye. Like she's, she's basically giving him the opportunity to say what he's going to say. She's hoping that this might be the thing she's been waiting for her whole life. I know he's going to come and he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus said there, verse 26, I who speak to you am he. That was it. That was when that was the moment when she felt that life was going to be different. That was a moment of conversion, I think, where faith came in and she saw him and her life was changed. And what did she do? Let's finish this story. I'll, I'll finish, uh, I'll just read through it. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Remember that reputation thing? Yet no one said, why do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things I, that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know about. There's, there's nothing better or more satisfying than watching someone come into a connection with God. That, you know, it's like uh, you, you have uh, appetites, like physical, you, you're hungry, and let's say, uh, this is what I always think of. Let's say you're hungry and you want a hamburger. But then someone brings a pizza and you start eating pizza and you're like, you know, I, I don't even, not even thinking about, I don't even want a hamburger anymore. I like pizza. You, our appetites change so quickly, so dramatically. But when you have something that's supernatural like this happen, the physical appetites like hunger and food and drinking, water and all that, just disappear. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am sustained and satisfied because this person has come into a connection with the living God. And when you've experienced that before, you know what I'm talking about. There's a real sense of like, man, nothing is better than this. And so they wondered, verse 33, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. And then he talks about the harvest. 
Let's go down to verse 39 because we'll do some of the harvest next week. Many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word that the woman who testified, he told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. We know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. What, what does this close on for us who want to share our faith? It's just this. Our words mean very little. They can lead someone to Jesus, but the point of the whole thing is people need to have a personal encounter with God himself or there is no conversion. That's what these guys are saying in the city. They said, you know, we believe that you were telling us the truth about what he said to you and all that stuff, but now we believe personally because we have seen him with our own eyes. We've heard him ourselves. Now we'll commit. And that's what we're doing. We're leading people, not to ourselves, not to a church, not to a religion, not to a... We're leading people to Jesus so that they can hear from him personally and then they can experience the living water that he promised. Amen.